are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. I won't even let Latham ride his bike and call me up. <laughs> My parents sent me to Germany. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See ya. You were in Germany? Yeah, I was 15. Oh, I thought when we're saying like travel team, you know, you may hit some Pennsylvania spots, but no. no. I went to Germany. Turkey, Switzerland. Did you love it? Yeah, it was cool. Wild. Look at your bio. Dang. I didn't know what you wanted, so I just started at the beginning. Great. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen those cheaters. I found them randomly (laughs) in my... They're all over my house now. Well, well. I'm like, oh, I can see with these on. It looks so nice with your sweatshirt. It looks like (laughs) you came with them purposefully. (laughs) (laughs) people could only see us (laughs) i hope we sound real professional we all have hoodies on and messy buns what are you doing Mm -hmm. rocking it lucky i don't have my fat pants on i almost changed before we came over here yeah but i didn't i didn't want to keep you waiting so i I got my jeans on i'm like "Mm, oh we better make this fast then I'm, no, don't hurry for me. It's and late at night and the jeans are still on. <laughs> Let's do this thing. <laughs> Got my yoga pants on. Sometimes you have to wear stretchy pants. <laughs> oh my gosh. You need Nacho Libre. It's like my Sometimes kids. men need to wear stretchy <laughs> pants. <laughs> it's like Keenan Rin's favorite. That's a good movie. It is. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Beatrice. It's Keith. And we're here. <laughs> Chris told me I had to be Keith today. <laughs> it's late, and I'm going to laugh a lot because I'm tired. So it's Keith, and you're going to like it. Past our bedtime, but we're here. <laughs> the distinguished Jennifer Joe Tucker. Welcome, Jen. Hello. <laughs> so glad to have you here tonight. <laughs> Hello. We're gathered after eighth grade celebration grilled pizza party with all the kids. We survived junior high. We've graduated and now we all have high schoolers. Except for me, who still has a middle schooler. Mm. But you have one high schooler. I do have one high schooler (laughs) and a middle schooler for two more years. It's going to be great. It's great. Don't worry about it. It's great. Jen was born and raised in Lisbon, Ohio. She spent her... Summers in Latonia with her grandma. She's a Lisbon Aww. Blue Devil, and she did not enjoy school. It's because it was the Lisbon Blue Devils, but <laughs> struggled in school <laughs> with <laughs> some learning disabilities and mild dyslexia. Hmm. She got through school because of sports. She played softball and basketball, and she even got to play in Germany for a USA team for a couple of weeks. That's amazing. And her mom let her go at a young age. <laughs> 15. <laughs> They let you drink over there? Yeah, in Germany, they don't care. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you're American, so they don't care what you do. Extra don't care. (laughs) Party it up, (laughs) 15-year-olds. You must have been pretty good. Decent. Decent. They don't just let decent people go to Germany. I was going to say, I feel like if if you are on a league traveling to Germany, you must have been... I practiced a lot. She was good. She doesn't (laughs) want to say that. She was a star and went to Germany to play basketball. 
Her first job at 12 was milking cows and cleaning barns for her neighbor. When she was 15, she got a job with her friend's dad in a warehouse building pallets. And she went to Kent State and YSU after graduating from high school. She worked three part-time jobs during college and took care of her mom who was sick. She met Brayden in 2001 and they've been together ever since their very first date, which she says was a Mexican restaurant. Which and a tractor one? pool. And a tractor pool. One <laughs> lo- river with a tractor pool. <laughs> I feel like they wrote a country song about that. (laughs) They have been married for almost 18 years. They have a 14-year-old son, Lathan, who is now in high school. So welcome to the high school years. so sad. They tried to have more than one kid, but that didn't work out. And they've even had some experience with adoption. You said that was a cool story. It was, but it was also sad. Yeah. There was a girl that... I rest quite often and she is on baby number seven and she was getting ready to be incarcerated again. She knew that I was trying because we'd spoke before and she said, well, I'd like to put my baby up for adoption. Would you like to adopt it? I know you'd take care of it and give it a good home. I said, yeah. So we, we were in the process of that. We were doing the paperwork and we decided that we were going to wait because of she has a ton of drug use. So we didn't want to put Lathan through getting excited about a baby and then lose the baby. And I was with her the night before she had the baby and I had to go for my shift. So I left. When I got back to the hospital, she had put the baby up in foster care. So we didn't have any legal rights to her. And that was the that was the end? I mean... Yeah, um, once- it went into the foster care. She was in the foster care system. And her foster mother took the baby. So it was already in an established foster home. So they left the baby there. Did you stay in contact with her after that? Or did that... Yeah, she's incarcerated right now. So, yeah. So from that point, did you decide we won't try for adoption again and we'll... Um, I would like to. Braden was a little gun shy. He was heartbroken. So Mm. now he's a little Mm -hmm. apprehensive about it. Yeah. There's a lot to take in. With her being incarcerated, I got to go to every doctor's appointment. I got to see the baby. I got to hear the heartbeat, like the whole nine yards. So it was a little devastating. I can imagine. Jen loves anything outdoors, animals. She's got goats. That's her newest hobby. I love my goats. She spoils them. Wait, how many goats? I have five. (laughs) Four boys and a girl. And they all have names? and They do. We have Billy and Dusty. Okay. They're named after ZZ Top. Brayden named them. And then we have Rue, Leo, and Enzo. Those are, you've named those? Yes. Very nice. Well, Lathan named Enzo because that's a wrestler's name. Okay. <laughs> Leo is, stands for LEO is law enforcement. And then Rue is just a cute girl name. Yeah, so. that's super cute. So fishing and camping are also hobbies of her. Neat fact about Jen is she's the first female SWAT team for Columbiana County, and she is the first ever Columbiana County Sheriff's Office Chief Deputy. So way to go, breaking glass ceilings, Jen. I was the first female in 2003 to get hired at the Sheriff's Office as a deputy. They put me on the SWAT team, and then in January I got Chief Deputy. She skipped a whole bunch of... I did. I went from deputy straight to chief deputy instead of sergeant, lieutenant. Because she's amazing. <laughs> we'll hear about that later. I love that. That <laughs> makes me so excited. And I'm sure you have like crazy SWAT stories. Not that you have to share them here, but... 
Her and her family have been at the upper room for the past couple of years. She came a few years ago before that. Brayden loved it and she did not. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so they left. But they came back and she liked it the second time. And I said, what changed? You or the church? It was definitely me. <laughs> we were at another church and I was very involved with the youth and I was apprehensive about leaving with them. And But we weren't supposed to be there anymore. So I was I was fighting. So we're super happy to have them here. They've yeah. been a great addition to our community. So welcome, yeah. Jen. Thank you. Yes, welcome. So tell us, who or what turned your light on? Braden did. Well, let me back up. It started with my grandparents. I was very close with my grandparents. They were Lutheran, and the Lutheran church is not very children-friendly. You had to sit in the pew and be quiet. Yeah. And behave. It's kind of more like a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't. I wasn't excited about it. Like, I'd like to be with them, and I went with them because they wanted me to go, so I went. Um, my parents weren't very involved in church till I was a little bit older. So I knew of the Lord, but I didn't know the Lord. And then me and Braden got together, and I can't remember if it was before or after we got married. He woke up one Sunday and said, I'm going to church. I said, you know what? He said, I'm going to church. I said, all right, see you when you get back. <laughs> went back to bed, and this went on for a couple weeks. When you guys got married, you never had talked about your faith? Um, or- not really, because neither one of us were involved in a church. The guy that married us was obviously a minister, but I've known him my whole life. So he's like, you guys really need to do this Christian counseling, but I'm not going to marry you unless you do it. So we did it. Braden kind of started growing him from there. So this went on for several weeks. He's like, I'm going. Do you want to go? No, 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 no. Finally said, hey, I'm going to church. You don't have to come with me, but I'd like you to. I said, all right, I'll go. We've been in church ever since. That's very interesting. Because I feel like the classic story is the woman goes and the guy stays at home and then they pray for years that, (laughs) you know, his heart will be changed. And this is just such an interesting opposite type of story that it's just not the norm. And it was just so out of the blue that he says, hey, I'm getting up, I'm going to church. I'm like, what? Like, where did that even come from? Like, because we hadn't talked about it. We hadn't. Did he just find a church that he used to go to or? At that point, I think we went to one in Liverpool because we were living in outside of Lisbon at that time in West Point. He knew the guy from growing up, so he knew he was a pastor, so we went to his church. I ended up getting baptized at that church. When you started going to church, because, you know, you can go to church and sit in the pews and just go to church, but sure. what changed that made you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Week after week, an introduction of it? Yeah, it just kind of clicked. At any point in your first church, did you find people and friends? I feel like sometimes people get involved, and sometimes you just kind of grow on your own. I'm actually experiencing that with someone else right now, where they're just kind of separated from a lot of people, but really growing on their own. Right. A little bit of both, I think. My grandmother that I was close to, her nurse actually went to that church. So I kind of had a bond with her from knowing her, so we kind of connected. But there was a lot of older people at that church. So, I mean, they were very friendly, very nice. I think this is really the only church that I've found a connection with, with the ladies. All the other churches, I mean, we'd speak, but it wasn't, I don't think it was genuine. They were doing the nice church stuff. Nice church ladies. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of nice church ladies. It's true. What were you doing at that point? When you married Brayden, were you already in SWAT? I was at the sheriff's office. I was working two part-time dispatching jobs. I was on patrol at Lisbon for a while, all at the same time going to school. And then 
the sheriff's office hired me full-time on the road as a deputy. So I quit the part-time jobs. And then I decided, well, I'm going to school for the job that I'm doing. Why am I giving them my money when I have the job already? <laughs> so I just quit school and I've been there ever since. Pre-believer, working as dispatch and being in that community. Mm -hmm. And then believer, working dispatch and being in that community. Did you view the job differently? Yes. I was more, after being a believer, I was more compassionate. I seen people differently. I mean, I've always been the protector type and mm -hmm. the loving, want to help people type, but I just had a different understanding. Because sometimes I feel like in that situation, it's probably from having friends and hearing stories about how it really can make you hard. Oh, absolutely. Or you get a shell real quick. Absolutely. And I didn't know if going from that to that has affected. I don't um, know. I, I'm a little bit more open to people now. Yeah, I think some of the situations in my upbringing, I was always very guarded and didn't want to let people in. But now I know that I'm surrounded by a world that's hurting, especially in my job. Everybody's broken in my job. We don't see much good in my job. They're worse off than me right now. So why am I not being vulnerable to them? I guess is how I look at it. I just feel like I've seen a lot, some situations where those people who have experienced that for long periods of time just feel like they know what to expect and they're very cynical about it. There's just a lot of cynicism in that, like, I know what you're doing. I know who you are. I know what this is going to turn into. If you view that a little bit different, you build a different rapport with people and they will trust you a lot more and it'll actually benefit you in the long run because they'll talk to you before they'll talk to anybody else. Hmm. So tell us the journey of going from deputy straight to chief deputy. I was a deputy since 2003. Shortly after that, I got laid off. The county lost money. The way our union goes, they have to call you back by seniority. Well, I had two guys ahead of me. They had to wait two years before they could call me. Right before that, Braden had got laid off. We were in the middle of building a house. He just got laid off, and I said, you know, I'm good. And then I get laid off a couple weeks later. That's when we started our business. When I got hired back, I was there. Went to the civil office for a while because I got pregnant with Lathan. So I was there for a few years, and I bumped back out onto the road with patrol. Our current sheriff now, he asked me if I'd be interested in being his chief deputy when he runs for sheriff. First, I thought he was kidding. And I was like, yeah, man, no problem. I totally thought he was kidding. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I was apprehensive of excited to leave the union. I have no union protection, and I still have 16 years till retirement. Me and Braden talked it out. I said, you know, if do this, what do you think? He said, yeah, go for it. And I said, think if anything happens, you know, we're going to be fine. The Lord will take care of us. We'll figure it out. If we figured it out before, we'll figure it out. So in January, he got elected and put me in as his chief deputy. Have you felt pushback from that, being the first in a few different areas? Not so much as being a female, but it was very shocking because the first day that I went in, nobody knew who their chief was going to be. So they're all like looking around the corner to see who's in the office. It was just kind of weird going from having co-workers to being a boss mm -hmm. in a day. I feel like the transfer has been pretty smooth. It was smoother than I expected. Yes. Good. Pleasant surprise. And for the first day, I'm very nervous about change and I don't like, I'm a six. <laughs> <laughs> I called my boss, Brian. I said, I'm not going in. I'm sitting in the parking lot in my cruiser. I'm not going in. He said, yes, you are. I'm going to throw up. I'm not going in. He's like, just go in. You'll be fine. All right, I'll go in. I mean, it was fine. I was just very nervous about it. Right. I mean, that's a lot. It's that's a huge a, change. Yes. And that's a big deal. I mean, that's not a little position. 
Yeah, and to go from employee to administration and having to make decisions for everybody, not just yourself, is a big change. And you've been happy? I love it. So tell us what lights you up. What On that note, you love it. What lights me up? I love helping people, and I love my job because I'm able to do that. One cool thing I like about my job is that people are so broken, and I'm there, then I can show them Jesus and love on them. I can stick them in the back of my cruiser, and they have to listen to me. That's actually helped me a lot because a lot of inmates will ask me to pray with them. Or I seen one here at church not long ago. Got to pray with her. That was pretty cool. Outside of work, just your goats or I like goats. <laughs> I love animals. Um, my my second option was veterinarian. I was really? torn between the two, but I think I made the right choice because now I just rescue animals and they live at my house. <laughs> I have five dogs and five goats, and I'm in the process of making a fish pond outside. I just rescue like being fish outside. Too? Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. We'll make it a thing. I like Jen will take all of your fish. I have a bunch of bird stuff outside. I like to watch the birds and the squirrels and pretty much anything outside. I love just oh to be outside. Oh my gosh, you would have such a good time at Michael and Emily Astock's house. She was just saying squirrels and groundhogs. They've got a zoo in their backyard. I love critters. Michael yeah. names the squirrels. I name the birds. Yeah. I have two cardinals right now that come and a couple of blue jays. What are their names? Jim and Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> They're in love. <laughs> I love that so much. Jim and Eileen. I didn't name the Blue Jays because I don't know if they're male or female, so I just called them Blue Jays. Okay. Blue but they're always Jay. together. Do you still love junior high and high schoolers? Like you said I in your do. last church, you... I do. I love kids. I, I, if I was able to, I'd have 50 kids. I just love kids. I was in the nursery last week, and I was so happy. I, I did forget to mention in her bio that she is helping out in children's ministry. Yeah, now. I do oh. nurturing in five and six-year-olds. And then I, I do security when I'm not doing that. I love that. It's One great. week she's on security that. patrol and the next week she's in the nursery. Greg and Monica kind of fighting me. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> don't fight. Don't fight, guys. Take your turn. <laughs> Take your turn. So if you've got to pick an age, do you have a favorite I do love all ages of kids. Todd Dare, it's the sheriff's office for several years. And I love second graders because they are so honest and they tell you everything. It's fantastic. <laughs> and they can never stay on topic. It's terrible. They're, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, you taught Dare. I did. My kids loved Dare. I did it at um, Southern Local and Crestview. How has that process been for you? You know, you had Lathan and then wanting to have more kids and it not working out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bitter for a while, um, but then I just started babying other people's kids and loving on them, um, loving on kids, the schools and stuff that I knew were having a rough time, and so I just channeled it somewhere else. I like that you just acknowledged that you were bitter for a while. Oh, I was very bitter. I think sometimes I'm still a little bit like just working through it, but yeah, I'm still a little bitter. Mm. And this sounds horrible. I don't even know if I should say it. I'm gonna say it anyway. There's a lot of people that don't treat their kids and love their kids the way they should be treated, and they have a ton of kids. And I just, I don't understand that, and I don't know how to process that. Oh, yeah. The mystery of what God seems to allow. Yes. Uh, I have questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you, you say you've been bitter, do you feel like that's a ongoing conversation that you are continually having with God? Yeah, and I but I also want to be supportive of Braden's feelings. He's... He's a little bit older than me, so he's kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've always wanted to adopt. For him to take that leap took a lot of talking when it went bad. It was very devastating. So 
That's difficult. I always felt bad for Lathan because he's always wanted a brother or sister. I feel bad for that reason, but he's been such a, yeah, I'm blessed with him. He's such a good kid. He's sweet and he's just ornery and I, I love him. He's, <laughs> he's awesome. He started walking and talking at one and mm. has not stopped full force. I think sometimes people say the worst things and they don't mean to. People question like, well, why don't you have more kids? Or right. they assume that, that was, that's a decision that you've made. I mean, we've talked with Mel about divorce and what people say or when people die. Just people say stupid things. They do. And oftentimes they probably don't even know the depth of pain that it causes just by making comments. What's your advice for people making comments about family size? You know, like, oh, when are you going to have another baby? Don't do it. <laughs> don't keep your mouth shut. Yeah, that's probably the best thing. But I don't know. I think people just become so desensitized to other people just because of whether it's social media or lack of courtesy. If it's none of your business, don't ask. They want to tell you, they'll tell you. But if they need somebody to talk to, then you're close enough like you and your friend. I mean, she'll come to you and say, hey. So tell us, how are you letting your light shine in this season of your life? Well, Obviously, with Lathan, you know, we try to set the tone for him and lead him in the right direction. I try to shine a light for Brayden, too, because our personalities are completely different. I'm very easygoing, laid back. He is very animated and... A little high-strung? He's very high-strung. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to set the example of positivity and in love to him to where he can be a good leader for us. I feel like... Setting the tone in the home is huge. Whether you're a husband or a wife or mom or dad, you know what I'm saying? Like right. setting the tone, seeing positivity. I mean, that does wonders yeah. for a home. See, I'm I'm very, I'm easy going, but I'm structured. I don't like change. I don't like chaos. Braden is very by the moment. I like things planned. I don't like for my plans to change. <laughs> And he is very like, hey, let's go do this. Let's drive to Maryland and eat. You know what I mean? Like, do we have money for that? Did we pack? You know, I have questions. <laughs> As all six do. <laughs> I have lots of questions. Well, I mean, I think anyone would have a question. If you're like, let's eat in Maryland. Which happens. We, we do do that. Hopefully anyone he, would We will like, drive sorry, and what? eat and then drive home. I'm, that's not an exaggeration. Lobster? What yes. do you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, that'd be worth it. Sometimes I make him stay overnight. But... He automatically goes to negative, so I try to guide him back to positive. And I, I also try to shine my light, obviously, at work. My new boss is a very strong Christian, so that helps. There's a whole different vibe in the office. Um, people are staying late. They're coming in early, hanging out with each other when before you would put in your eight and you were out. Nobody talked. It was just a bad atmosphere. Do you have like a shining light story at work that you could share yeah a cool one actually happened last week we were on a burglary call at one house and they said so and so did it so we went to so and so's house because we know they had a warrant we walk up on the porch and the door's wide open we walk in because we can see them and they're sitting there they're doing drugs on the couch so we walk in get him in custody He's there with his girlfriend and another guy that I've known for years that we've dealt with. So this poor girl is just a mess, filthy, dirty. She hasn't showered in probably a week and a half. They didn't have any water there. Skin and bones, she hadn't been eaten. Very broken. We get him taken care of. We have another deputy come and get him. We're there, I'm going to say, two, three hours probably. 
talking with this girl, trying to get her into a rehab. We deal with uh, Family Care Ministries in East Liverpool. It's a faith-based Christian rehab. And they're awesome with us. Anytime we call them, they'll say, yeah, we'll get you a bed. No wait, just bring them. We take them right off the streets into the, the rehab. And I'm there with another deputy, one of our detectives, and she's just not wanting to go. And we can't figure out why she's not wanting to go. We look down, and she has a little baggie hanging out of her sock. Reaches down and grabs it, and it's drugs, obviously. He's like, is this why you're not wanting to go? She wanted to do that last bit of drugs before she went. We kind of told her, you know, hey, this is where you're at. This is a felony. Your boyfriend's going to get a felony. Your buddy's going to get a felony. Where can you go with me to the rehab? Finally, we talked her into going. Put her in my car and drove her to West Virginia and dropped her off at the rehab. And she's still there as far as I know. So, Those are good moments. Yeah. And I actually spoke to her mom today. She called me and said, I know I was out at the house. The door is wide open. Nobody's around. Do you know where my daughter's at? At that rehab, you can't make any phone calls or anything for like the first two weeks. So you can't have anybody bring you anything. And I told her and her mom started breaking down crying and said, I love the Lord and thank you for helping her. And she wouldn't listen to me. And sometimes it just takes somebody outside to show them love. So we're considered a rural area, small towns all around. What would you say you see You said you see a lot of brokenness, but what is it in this area that causes brokenness with so many people? Drugs has a huge hold on this area. Huge. Meth is real big in this area right now. It was heroin for a while. They're moving to the meth because it's a little bit cheaper and it's a little bit more easy to get. They're mixing it with PCP and some other drugs and it's just killing them. With the heroin and stuff, they look for the stuff that's going to kill them. What they do is they call the ambulance before they take the drug. So when they OD, help's already on the way. Because that's like the highest high that they can get. Or they take turns. They wait for their friend to do it to see if they're going to, we call it fall out, OD. And then if they don't, within the first few minutes, then their friend will do it. Do they call the ambulance in hopes that you get there for... Narcan. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. Yep. Very sad. What's the hopelessness that gets tied to that? They end up losing their kids, losing their families, stealing from their family just to get their next fix. Then their kids see it, and a lot of times their kids follow suit, and they just don't feel like there's a way out because they're just so lost, and they don't even realize that they're that lost. So you guys do a lot of drug education in the D.A.R.E. program. What Mm -hmm. is it that, what are you telling kids and young people Actually, the younger kids are very intelligent. They are very wise to what's going on. They can educate you. Obviously, they're watching their parents do it. Second graders will tell you everything. They're very knowledgeable. There's a huge difference between the northern part of the county and the southern part of the county between the kids. Completely different ways of life, different viewpoints, different exposure. Our southern part of our county, we have 532 square miles that we cover. And the southern part of the county kids have a completely different way of life than the northern. The northern kids are more sheltered in a bubble. They kind of stay in their own little town. Very different. So you see more drug use southern? Drug use across the... It's drug use across. It's just a different lifestyle. Route 30 goes through the middle of our county. North of that is more city life. I don't want to say yuppies, but yuppies. (laughs) Um, And the southern part are more country folk. You know what I mean? Drug use looks about the same. It does, but their way of lives are just different. So, are the reasons for the drug use different, or do you find that the you know dealing with 
the brokenness that it's the same north and south? I don't really know. But even on calls, you handle them completely different. That's fascinating. Yes. If you talk to somebody from the north the way you talk to somebody from the south, you're going to get a complaint on you. They're going to be like, that person is rude and disrespectful. And in the southern part of the county, if you don't talk like that, they won't respect you. They won't listen to you. They won't understand what you're saying. That's so interesting to me because just in this county, how vastly different people are. It is very different. And just how they respond differently. That is so bizarre to me. Even their twang or their accent is different. Yes, it's very different. But I love that you know that. And I love that you know what to expect and that your tone has to change. It's, It's very interesting. It reminds me of that verse, you know. Where Paul is just encouraging to become all things to all people. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. To the Jews, I become a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law so as to win those. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law so as to win those not having the law. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. That's and a good not, verse. But not saying that, like, you're out there preaching the gospel and pastoring. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're doing your job, but you know how to become all things to all people. That's what connects you to people. And that's what creates relationship or at least an in with them because they won't respond the same way. Exactly. What do you see that the church or the Christian faith community can do to help in these situations? You know, when there's so much pain and brokenness in a community and a segment of the community's hurting. I think the biggest thing is just don't be hypocrites. Just because they sin differently than you doesn't mean that they're worse off or you're better than them. And I've I've tried to explain that to people I encounter. I said, just because you're a drug addict doesn't mean that I'm any better than you. I said, I sin, and that doesn't make us different. I think a lot of churches send out a bad vibe. They like to talk about loving on people and and wanting them in the doors, but as soon as they come in the door, then they're looking down at them. That instantly turns people away from the church and fits the stereotype of what people think of, oh, the old church lady, or just being fake. Just be real, that's all. Welcome them. Make them feel like you're glad that they're there. Right. Take an interest in them. Absolutely. Well, and we've had a lot of words over our church about, you know, the upper room being a place of refuge and a place where... Spiritual hospital. Right. I think it's really important that our members and believers are prepared for that. When we see them, that we become like medics and we, what does this person need? How can I help? How can I? And sometimes, I don't think we understand sometimes how hard it is for people who haven't been in the church to even just to come to a church. That's a huge step. Just to get there. It's intimidating. It is. It's a building full of strangers. Everybody has the idea that Christians are weird and what are they going to do? You know what I mean? They're, They're nervous. We are kind of weird, but it's all right. <laughs> In a good way, right? <laughs> I tell Lathan that all the time. Be weird, weirdo. Do you? I like that. That's the <clears> point, <throat> really, when it comes to it. You know, you should not be like the world. You should look different than the world. But different scary. Different is scary. But we're called to be a light, you know? Right. Light doesn't look like darkness, and, and it is a little weird. It is weird. Speaking of weird. You got a weird question? <laughs> I got a weird question. <laughs> Question number four. 
Will you share a moment where something has happened to you that is supernatural? Or would you, yeah. do you have a supernatural experience? I do. My mom passed away 13 years ago. And we were at the hospital and we had to take her off life support. Me and my dad were basically her caregivers. So I would work. I was on midnights. And then I would stay with my mom all day while my dad was at work. And then he would come back in the afternoon and stay with my mom. I would sleep, go to work. That was our rotation. So we, I was very close with my mom. Anyway, she got real bad. Um, we ended up having to take her off life support. And I was in the room with her. I felt horrible because I talked my dad into taking a shower. While she was in the shower, she passed. I was a little upset with myself for that. So I kind of took a walk. And I was out at the cafeteria. And I was just sitting there crying. And, and some lady came up to me. And she put her hand on my shoulder. Turned around, and it, she's an older lady. She said, honey, are you okay? And I said, no. Kind of told her what happened. And she said, can I pray with you? And I said, yes. She prayed with me. And when I opened my eyes, she was gone. She was not there. And I was like, what in the world just happened? She was gone. <laughs> I told Brady, he's like, that's so weird. That is weird. <laughs> More weird. That's very weird. <laughs> I'm like, it happened. I don't know. Did you feel better after that? I did. Well, Jen, it's been so fun to have you here and hear your stories. And we really appreciate the work that you're doing in our community, mm -hmm. loving on the broken people, trying to keep our community safe and people safe. And we're very proud of you for being the Thank first you. Columbiana County Chief Deputy. That's amazing. And we're looking forward to seeing you grow in that position and hearing lots of more stories. And we're also really grateful for the service that you give the church, whether you're doing whoever wins that week, Greg or Monica, whether you're <laughs> doing children's ministry or security, you know, we appreciate that. We've just really enjoyed having your family, all, all three of you in our fellowship. You've brought a lot of fun. We do Sunday school together. It's always Sunday morning. Hey, we're putting a plug in for Sunday morning, Sunday school. <laughs> We have fun. So. We do have fun. I love that this church is so welcoming and everybody loves on everybody. There's not cliques or outcasts. Everybody feels welcome. I've, we've felt very welcome here. It's been fun. And we appreciate your vulnerability. You know, I know it's hard when you have disappointment in your life or you're, to even be able to stay. I, I still feel bitter about things that didn't go the way I had hoped. And so appreciate your vulnerability because there's a lot of other women out there who are struggling with the same thing. And I think when they know that they're not alone in that, I think it helps because oh, absolutely. sometimes you can feel very isolated, like everyone else is getting their dreams and their desires and I'm not. And then when you get to hear that other people have that same struggle, I think it, it doesn't make it all better. But I think knowing that you're not alone sometimes can be helpful. What was your advice to her? Yeah, be yeah. weirdo. Weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.